Hello and welcome to Between the Mountains Adventure Podcast. Delivering in-depth interviews, expeditions and adventures. Be sure to check us out on social media and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Today's guest is Fiona Quinn. There would even be dolphins out there when I was planning it. And the first time we saw them, well, the first time we saw any was down in St. Ives. So they just sort of swam past the boat super quick. And then further up the coast of Cornwall, I was on my board or getting onto my board when they came over. And they'd come right up to the, to the support boat, right up to my board, like literally within maybe like a foot or two feet. And they were just so, so calm and so friendly seeming. And it was just amazing. Like, I never felt scared. If anything, they sort of took the fear away that I was, I guess, in one part distracted, but also um, just that, that calming sense that they have, which is just uh, phenomenal, really. Fiona is a huge advocate for adventures in the UK, and you will probably know her from the world record she set from being the first person to stand up paddleboard from Land's End to John O'Groats, which is just an insane achievement, especially when you add into the mix that Fiona is afraid of the open water and the sea. So an incredible achievement. Her book, Ignore the Fear, is out now. And if you fancy a good read, then definitely go out and have a look at buying it. I was really thankful for Fiona giving her time to quickly have a chat with us on the podcast. But before we dive into the interview, I have three points of interest for the community to talk about. So the first one is the winner of the survey giveaway. So I'd like to congratulate, I think the name is Elias Tess. I only had the email come through, so I've had to decide where, where one word stops and the next one carries on. But I have emailed you, Elias Tess. Thank you so much. The uh, randomonlinepicker.com, I think it is. Um, selected you as the winner, so congratulations. The second point is a huge thank you to someone called Kitty who went on to buy me a coffee and has actually bought me a coffee to use for these edits and for, for the adventures. And uh, she said on here, because everyone needs great coffee with their adventures, so thank you so much for doing that. I hugely appreciate the support there. And the third one is actually to a an Apple podcast review we got. Uh, we got another five-star review for the UK-based Apple Podcasts. And I just wanted to say a huge thank you to Lifts, Hikes and Leaves for writing this this review, which is five stars. Uh, he or she have said, so, so glad to have discovered this podcast. Chris is an excellent host who clearly does a huge amount of research prior to interviewing his fantastic guests to make sure that the conversation is unique and interesting rather than just a rehash of other similar podcast interviews. I especially enjoy the deep dives into adventuring mindsets. So I'm really, really glad you um, you like the same part as me, which is the mindset side. Um, I think the host being excellent is questionable, but I definitely do a lot of research. So thank you very much for recognizing that. And uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm just super glad you enjoyed it. Super glad you took some time out of your day to write that on there. But listen, thank you so much for, for all of you listening to these podcasts. I'm hugely grateful for the listener base that we've got and just the incredible achievements we're making as a, as a podcast and listenership. Uh, you know, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the support. And congratulations to Elias Tess for winning the giveaway for just filling out a quick survey. So I've given you an email, get in touch. But with no further hesitation, let's just get straight into the interview with the fantastic Fiona Quinn. I really, really hope you enjoy it. Fiona, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on. 
Oh, the pleasure is mine. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you've got your book out called Ignore the Fear, which I'll put the uh, link in the show notes as well. We've talked, we chatted about that specifically a little bit later, and I think everyone should go and check it out as we will all find out in this podcast. <laughs> but um, I suppose really I wanted to kick it off kind of right at the start, which is a chat about your micro adventures. You know, when you were first sleeping out under the stars with your friends, did you ever imagine that you would go on to achieve the things that you have? No, not at all. I mean, so I guess for a bit of context, so I, I've never really considered myself adventurous. I wasn't, my parents weren't adventurous. Um, I didn't really play sport as a child. And I really kind of got into these micro adventures, just sort of, as you say, sleeping out under the stars for one night in my late twenties. Um, often with a bottle of wine or, or something to, to help the night go a bit quicker. Um, and yeah, I mean, I really had no expectation whatsoever. I just wanted to do something a bit different, a bit weird, really. Like, why would you go and sleep next to a bush when you've got a perfectly good bed at home? It's kind of <laughs> <laughs> a bit different. I just really loved that kind of getting out of the comfort zone. Why would you do that? And then you do it and it's actually kind of fun. And then seeing, oh, like I've done one camp out with some friends, maybe I could go and sleep somewhere else. And then maybe I could cycle somewhere and just kind of evolved from there. There was really no expectation at all when I first started. So I had no idea where it would all lead. So you are someone who has gone out and pushed limits and the, the primer on being your Land's End to John O'Groats triathlon. For you, what is it about being in that zone of uncomfortable that appeals to you? Yeah, um... So I guess so the triathlon, obviously it's, it was multi-stage. So I didn't just go and do a, a complete triathlon in one go. Um, I did Land's Energy on the Groats three separate times. So I guess it was kind of being out of my comfort zone. It's just, it's really about believing in myself. Like I think there's no other thing that you can do in life where it's, it's really, it's just for you. Like no one cares if I paddleboard the length of Britain. Not really. It doesn't affect anybody else's life, only mine. And so therefore the kind of, and it is a luxury, you know, the luxury of being able to go out there, spend some time in the wild, be completely self-reliant um, and come up against challenges and go, can I get through this? And I think actually the cycle leg of um, the triathlon is a, is a great example of that. It was my first big adventure. I just hopped on my bike with some borrowed kit from friends and I went solo, self-supported. It was a massive storm. It was kind of October, so it's pretty cold. Um, and I had to get a train. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, I was absolutely freezing cold. My hands were just so painful, just holding onto the handlebars and I had no option. Like I was, I was probably sort of likely to get hypothermia if I carried on. So the only option really was to get that train. And on the one hand, you know, I just um, failed. Like I hadn't managed to cycle the length of Britain when that's what I'd set out to do. Whereas on the other, I was like, this is amazing. Like I just cycled 800 miles when before all I'd done was 80. And like, this is, I just loved that feeling. Um, even though I hadn't made it to the end. And then, so then I walked John O'Groats to Land's End and I was like, well, I should probably go back and cycle it again because I haven't actually done it. So I cycled the whole way again um, from the start and made it successfully. And I went back through that section um, where I had to quit the first time. And I made it through and, I, and obviously I got to John O'Groats. Um, and so, so I think for me, the challenge is really, can I get through this? Can I do it on my own? But also building that resilience like it doesn't come initially um I think it's through experience that you kind of get that resilience and that that belief in yourself yeah absolutely and I was gonna say I'm glad you touched on it you didn't just do it three times you did it technically four times because you went back <laughs> and thought no nah, nah, I've got I've got to complete this so 
Yeah, yeah, I guess three, three point eight times or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I imagine central, central England uh, is, is a little bit uh, less dramatic, but starting off at Land's End, going up through Cornwall, and then uh, when you start getting sort of past the Lake Lake District, must be stunning. I haven't done the Le Jog yet, so. Uh, so yeah, I can only imagine what, what the views must be like. Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing how the country changes. Like I, I didn't really know Britain. I think you know we don't tend to adventure and explore our home country in normal circumstances. Um, we tend to you know fly for abroad to sort of exotic places. But Britain has such a diverse landscape from short, sharp Cornish hills, um, it's flat in the in the middle of Britain, as sort of as you say for parts of it. Um, and then, yeah, sort of big sweeping hills in Scotland is just incredible to watch it all change and feel like I have a sense of knowing what a place is when I look at it on a map. Like, oh, I've been there. I know what that's like to cycle or walk through it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I can relate with you there as well. Um, my upbringing was sort of, you know, by all means, like cycling around the local area because it looked like sort of brought up in the countryside. So cycling down the canal and, you know, in the local area, but mainly holidays were going to Spain or Crete or somewhere and spending a week or two in a hotel and then you, you might go do some excursions. So discovering adventure later in life and just realizing how beautiful the UK is, is a, I think a very relatable experience for many people, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, th- I thought you had to go to Europe to drive sort of mountainous roads and stuff. But then when I went to, went to the Highlands for Ben Nevis, it just, just at the bottom section and it, you're just blown away. It is absolutely incredible. And yeah, the, so the Caledonian Canal that runs runs past there and, and up to um, Inverness is just stunning. So I I, I walked, I didn't cycle that bit, um, but I walked it and I paddleboarded through there as well. So it was great to see it from two different perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got your book, Ignore the Fear Out Now, which we mentioned earlier, which is following along more in depth about that stand-up paddleboard uh, record from Land's End to John O'Groats. How did this adventure come about? Yeah, so I'd done, so I'd done the bike ride, failed. Then I walked it, um, loved it, but it was super hard. And then I went back and cycled it again, as I say. And I was kind of looking at the maps, having sort of looking at my routes, having walked and cycled it, going, oh, I kind of feel like there's something missing from this. I need to do a water-based element to finish this off and make it into a triathlon. Even though that had never been my, you know, that's not what my goal had been when I first set out to do it. It just kind of evolved along the way. And I could put, I'm, so I'm scared of the sea. So, um, so I nearly drowned when I was a child in a swimming pool. Uh, and ever since then, like I've been fine in pools because I actually ended up saving myself in that, that experience. Um, but I don't know what would happen out at sea and I, I probably couldn't save myself. Um, and so that's really what made me scared of deep open water. So there's no way I was going to swim it. So I thought maybe paddleboard it. I'd paddleboarded a couple of times sort of on lakes and rivers at that point. Um, and also no one had ever paddleboarded it before. So I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. Like maybe me, like who am I? Like I'm a complete novice paddleboarder. I'm scared of the sea. Wouldn't it be cool if I could like set a world first? You just mentioned it there. This next question is all about that, that fear of the sea. You know, that was, that was quite a big part. And I think that's what makes it more incredible because like anyone can stand on a stand, a stand up paddleboard and, you know, and, and, and go ahead. And some people might love water and do it just fine. Some people might just prefer hiking, but they get on with it. Okay. I think it makes it more incredible that you are, you have a fear of the ocean and you still manage to do it. I, I've heard you talk about the outcome of that fear afterwards, but going into this was a part of your whys trying to conquer that fear or was it a sort of a, a sideline? No, definitely being scared was a kind of a big part of this. Like, um, 
it's the it's the most scared I've been of anything I've ever done like this is kind of like such a massive fear it's not just oh I wonder if I could make it it's like am I going to die like I'm so scared of being in the water to the point where like I didn't train on the sea before I left really I had um one sort of uh, technique session with a with a guy um, called Tim who runs up Bristol and then I went out a couple of times um, with a guy that came to be my photographer um, so I, you know in total I had maybe like an hour an hour and a half as experience paddleboarding on the scene before I left because I just didn't want to scare myself out of going and so the, the fear was very much a big part of my of my why and, and I really wanted to face that fear and see if I could to overcome it could I could I deal with it enough to keep going and, and to go out on the sea every day yeah absolutely i think you actually you've mentioned before your decision to to not train specifically for this i think you were saying because you've you feel like you had a good baseline fitness and you didn't want to psych yourself out i think is what you said yeah kind of i mean so for the triathlon for the walk the cycle and the paddleboarding i didn't train for any of them to my mind like i wasn't going for any kind of speed record i just wanted to go at my own pace and um like i've never really liked the idea of training for anything I was like oh god that sounds really boring um I just want to go and do the adventure and and because there were such long adventures uh, as I say with no time frame really uh it was you know plenty of time for my body to adapt along the way and so as you say sort of with a baseline fitness I could then kind of just build up the specific skill for whatever I was doing and yeah definitely not scaring myself out of going for the paddleboarding trip was another reason not to train <laughs> uh, absolutely yeah but I mean, chatting about that fear, now's probably a good time to chat about uh, your experience with Corey Vecken. Um, yeah. Could you tell us a bit more how you could have been dragged 200 metres below the ocean and pulled along the seafloor? Yes. So um, for those people that don't know what Corrie Vecken is, so it's the world's third largest whirlpool. It's on the west coast of Scotland near the Isle of Jura. Um, it's not a permanent whirlpool. It only develops a certain tide states. Um, but uh, yeah, as you say, it's a pretty big one. It can pull you down to the seafloor. And if I'd gone into that, it probably would have been game over. And so I guess the reason that the whirlpool kind of came into play was that um, I paddled back across the Irish Sea. Um, so from Northern Ireland over to the, the Western Isles of Scotland. And at this particular point, one of my sponsors was quite keen for me to try and go as fast as possible. As I say, it was never a, an issue for me. Like I didn't, I didn't care about going fast. I just wanted to enjoy the experience as much as I could. And so because the sponsor wanted to go quite quickly, so then we decided that once I was kind of within those islands and I wasn't going to be pulled out to sea, that my support boat could leave me very quickly to go and do um, a crew change and a refuel of the support boat. And they were going to be like 90 minutes tops. So I was paddling along. It was like super still. We weren't expecting any tide at this particular point. And we made a plan, me and my skipper, that if I did get pulled anywhere, like I'd try and position myself to the right-hand side of the channel and Corrie was off to the left, sort of round the island, um, that hopefully if I stayed to the right, I'd be pulled away from the whirlpool and not towards it. Um, it was like a super sunny day, like not a breath of wind, super calm sea. So, you know, it should have been absolutely fine. But as these things go, it wasn't. Um, I started paddling uh, on my own and my boat had left me and I was a lot quicker sort of going down that channel than I expected. And then I realized that I was being pulled towards the middle of the channel. There's some islands in the middle of the channel. And I tried to fight the tide to try and beach myself on the islands and, and not be dragged any further towards the whirlpool. But I, I couldn't fight the tide. I couldn't get to the islands. All I could do was turn and point my board in the direction that my boat should be coming back out of the harbor and just keep paddling to stay where I was. 
Um, and then at this point, sort of all the, the water around me was getting quite choppy and quite swirly and it sort of threw my board around. So I was really getting quite scared at this point. So I text my skipper, I was like, please hurry. Um, and then he calls me. And obviously I can't paddle when I'm on the phone. <laughs> so I'm just slowly drifting backwards towards this whirlpool. Um, and I'm like crying into the phone. Like he's obviously lost me. He doesn't know where I am. I'm not where he expected me to be. I'm, I text him saying, you know, I'm in danger. And he, so he thinks I'm being pulled towards this deadly whirlpool. And I answer the phone the worst way possible. I am just crying my heart out. And I'm like, where are you? I'm being pulled towards a whirlpool. I'm going to die. Like... <laughs> I was, it was a bit overdramatic, but, um, you know, I was really scared. And um, so I tried to let him know what I could see and what was around me so he could try and find me. But then like 30 seconds into this phone call, all the water around me just shifted again. And this time it was into one big circle and I was in the middle of it. And I knew that other whirlpools developed at different tide states. I didn't know how big they'd get. I knew they wouldn't, they wouldn't get as big as Corrivacan. Hopefully they wouldn't pull me under but I didn't know like what it would do to my board. So I just quickly said whatever I could to my skipper, hung up and just paddled like crazy to get to the edge of this swirling water. And just as I got to the edge of a little bit of slack water, I could see my boat on the horizon and I just collapsed onto the board crying and they came and scooped me up. So luckily I didn't get <laughs> within touching distance, but it, you know, if they hadn't found me, it could have, it could have gone a different way. So that was definitely the scariest moment of the whole trip. Yeah, well, I mean, I heard you on a, on a podcast saying that the, the, the reason I, I quote that 200 metres is because they say, did you say film crew did a test with a dummy or something? They did, yeah. I think it might have been a Channel 4. Oh, I might be wrong, but I think as a Channel 4 production company, they did an experiment with a life-sized, like, adult weight dummy and a life jacket and a depth gauge, and they threw it into Whirlpool. And, yeah, I got pulled, I think it was 265-ish metres down to the seafloor. So, like, it's, yeah, <laughs> mind-blowing. It's just insane. Yeah, that's nuts. So I think it's quite um quite understandable that you said that leaving this that you still had the fear of the sea. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, definitely. But you know, you you ha- you still had those few encounters with with fear. Did you learn any ways to to help manage and control the fear when it when it kicks in? Yeah. So I guess so. There was that incident which was obviously very scary, and like I wouldn't have been in that position if I hadn't have been so concerned about my you know if I hadn't listened to my sponsor going come on Fiona you need to go quick if I'd just been like look you knew that this wasn't the the goal of the adventure was to go fast and if I just stuck to my reasons for doing it then I would never have been in that position and I think that was a really important lesson from that experience and then there was also um the first time when I paddleboarded across the Irish Sea from um the southwest coast of Wales over to, to the east coast of Ireland um just before then, actually, the same sponsor was like, oh, you know, did you know there was something like, um, I think it was 12 species of shark and 30 species of whale or something in the Irish Sea? I'm like, seriously, why are you telling me this now? Like, just making me even more scared. And I think, like, sort of at that point, sort of managing the fear, not only my fear, but then the kind of the fears that other people introduce, like, well, aren't you scared? Like all of these potentially dangerous animals in this huge expansive, I think it's about 40 miles across the Irish Sea. Like it's really, I think it's interesting dealing with what other people give you as well as what you're thinking yourself. Um, and I very much found that I just have to kind of package that up in a way that I think when other people give you their fears, they you get to decide whether you pick that up or not which I think is quite you know and it's not just fear it's also when people are going to give you negative feedback or you know whatever it is that someone's giving you that is is not useful to you you don't have to take that on board and I very much felt 
but that's something that I learned to do through that process and it's something that I learned to do with my own fear like when I'm sort of giving myself negative self-talk like why am I doing this like it's like this is not helpful and then I just kind of find a way to shift out of that and, and find positivity in it yeah absolutely and it's interesting that you talk about it like that as well because the question that I've covered on this podcast a couple of times in other interviews is how do you manage people placing their limitations on you really interesting yeah yeah when people do that I wanted to chat about something as well in a bit more detail so you saw some incredible wildlife as, as we as we just discussed but what was it like paddling with dolphins oh it was amazing like I'd never it never actually crossed my mind that I paddle there would even be dolphins out there when I was planning it. Um, and the first time we saw them, well, the first time we saw any was down in St. Ives. So they just sort of swam past the boat super quick. And then further up the coast of Cornwall, I was on my board or getting onto my board when they came over. And they'd come right up to the, to the support boat, right up to my board, like literally within maybe like a foot or two feet. And they were just so, so calm and so friendly seeming. And it was just amazing. Like I never felt scared. If anything, they sort of took the fear away that I was... I guess in one part distracted, but also um, just that that calming sense that they have, which is just uh, phenomenal, really. Um, and they would kind of come and just look at me through the water, like, "Oh, who are you? What are you doing out here?" Mm. And it was just, yeah, utterly amazing. And they came several other times as well. They came when I was paddling across the Irish Sea, and I think we were maybe three quarters of the way over, and it was a really long day, and it was super foggy. And then all of a sudden someone shouts dolphins and everyone just runs and grabs the camera and, um, you know, they just, they really lift the mood and it was just an amazing experience. Joking it was the same pod, just going, look, is that, is that bloody Fiona again? <laughs> what she doing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> cool though to make some dolphin friends. <laughs> yeah, just like, oh, there she is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, what I found really beautiful about the, you know, the second time you wrote about it in the book, you said, you know, they were looking up at you through the water and just thinking, you know, you, you were wondering what they made of you. And it must be incredible to have such an interaction with such an intelligent creature where that can actually be a consideration. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, obviously, dolphins are such social animals, you know, they have thing and, and they're so intelligent. And it's it'd be great to, to know what they were thinking. Um, uh, yeah, it's just amazing. And, and then like at other times we also had, um, well, we had, I think there was a whale at one point. So I didn't actually see it, but I think my crew did. And they didn't tell me it was behind me. And I just thought, oh, it's probably dolphins. I'll come and say hello. <laughs> and then they never came. When I got back on the support boat, they're like, no, no, it was a massive whale. Um, so it was a shame that I missed that. But that was cool. And then we also had, um, I think, some sea otters. Uh, the little baby, um, I don't know what they're called, the babies. It was a cub, maybe. I, let's go with cub. Yeah. Okay, cool. There was a <laughs> sea otter cub. <laughs> um and jellyfish there's loads of jellyfish so yeah it's really cool just to see all this wildlife it's really nice so on the journey you know you, the whole way up the west coast of of the uk and add the special benefit of your decision to cross the irish sea and go up a little bit of island as well you, you must have seen some incredible landscapes you know exmoor national park as well with the cliffs going down uh, you know, in your opinion, what were the highlights with the landscapes? Yeah, so I think um, definitely Lundy Island in terms of the southern areas. Lundy Island was super cool. So we, it's about a 10 mile paddle offshore um, from sort of Cornwall. And I paddled over at, um, in the evening. So we paddled into dusk and then I hopped on the support boat and we went over to the island and anchored. So we anchored at, at almost midnight, I think it was. So it's pitch black. We couldn't really see. We were just going off the charts. 
So we woke up in the morning and it was just glorious sunshine, not a breath of wind, the smoothest seas you've ever seen. And then I think there's only two other boats anchored there. So it was like we we're on this deserted island. It was incredible. So that was really nice. And then further north, the Caledonian Canal is great. And obviously you can experience that from land, which is, makes it even better. But it's, you know, it's a much more accessible part of our, of our um, waterways to, to go to. But it's just stunning landscape, just seeing those mountains and... Um, and also coming into towards the canal, like through the Western Isles is beautiful. Um, I just, yeah, I really love that part. It's really nice. Yeah, just cutting straight across the highlands is just like, what a stunning view that must have been <laughs> and a unique way of experiencing it too. Yeah, definitely. And if, any, if anyone's out there is a keen paddleboarder or wants to get into paddleboarding, I think going to the Caledonian Canal is such a great way of experiencing Britain's beauty um, from, from the water because you can just hop on and hop off along the canal there's um the great the great glenway so if you're into paddleboarding then yeah um you can just hop on and off and, and go along the great glenway and uh it's there's sort of like sort of mini sort of semi wild camping spots along the way so they've kind of got like a little barbecue area that you can go to but it's not a campsite so it's kind of in between so it's a really nice way of going on an adventure in scotland so you said that at the end of your stand-up paddleboarding uh, uh the length of the uk that you weren't too physically worn out i wanted to ask about uh your next adventure which is couch to ultra marathon um, and specifically what are your whys behind that is is it the physical limit this time yeah i think um so i guess just touching on the fact there that you say that i wasn't really worn out from the paddleboarding i think the paddleboarding <laughs> for me it was very much about, it was about the fear. It was hugely about the logistics of it, like trying to get a support boat and crew. Like that was something that I'd never done before. Whereas for example, the walk was very physical. Like I got trench foot and acute tendonitis on the walk. So that was super, super hard. And so then, yeah, coming to Couch Ultra Marathon. So the run, so my plan is to run 260 miles, um, the length of the Pennine Way, which is Britain's oldest um, national trail. And um, before I sort of started training in this January for that adventure, um, I'd never run more than five miles. So for me, for this adventure, like I can't just go and do it. Like I have to train for this. Otherwise I would actually break myself and I wouldn't get to the end and it'd be kind of pointless. So um, so for, for this one is very much the training is kind of the challenge and, and part of the why. Could I go that far? Could, if I train, will my body allow me to run that far um, in one go? So I'm not really going to be sleeping. I'm going to have... Um, like a van support van with me. So if I need to take a you know, couple of naps, I'll do that. But otherwise I'll just run straight through the night. So yeah, so the why is very much based on this different approach for me to adventure of training. And, and as I say, the, the physical element to it. Um, and also it's kind of interesting because I think running, it's such a massive sport um, and so many people run and, you know, lots of people have done the Pennine way. It's not like, this isn't a new thing. It's not like rare that people do it like you know there's obviously the spine race that, that goes along it both winter and summer every year and I think that in itself is is a challenge dealing with the fact that other people have opinions on it <laughs> and on running and on how I should be running or should be training and um, I think that's quite different which I didn't really expect before because the challenges I'd kind of previously done people didn't really seem to offer their advice on um whereas this they quite freely do <laughs> so last question before we get into some wrap-up ones then uh, you you've said you can always get more money but we can never get more time and with that approach you have experienced so much but what is one moment that you would love to relive oh that's a hard question 
given that you the quote that you've just said that we can never get more time I think I wouldn't want to use time to relive a moment I would, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is a caveat yeah <laughs> uh, I would want to to relive to to go and make new memories and do something different um you know I'm so grateful for all the experiences I've had and particularly over the sort of the last four or five years like I feel like I have crammed an awful lot in and I'm so grateful for that and I think yeah focusing on doing stuff that excites me and makes me happy and obviously there's some bits thrown in there that are tough and difficult but I like I really appreciate it all and it's been amazing and I can't wait to see what I go on to do next. Perfect so first wrap-up question then if you had perfect conditions right now where would you travel to? I guess oh, I went on my bike on Sunday for like the first time in months and I just forgot how much I loved it so I think I would go and cycle somewhere I'd love to cycle around Ireland I think that would be awesome so yeah I think that that would be my one. If you could only do one type of adventure for a whole year, and I think I know the answer given what you just said, um, if you had to choose between stand-up paddleboarding, hiking or cycling for a year, which one would it be? It, it would be cycling. I, yeah. think. <laughs> I think it's it's not only am I just loving it at the moment because I haven't done it in a while, but also it's just a great way of traveling. Like you, you know, all the stuff's on your bike, so it's not really heavy on your shoulders or anything like it would be with hiking. You can go at a brilliant speed to actually see places and... and um, you know, it doesn't take ages like it does with the other two. And, and yeah, I just, I, yeah, cycle touring is amazing. I would do that. Yeah. And you feel like you've had a good, a good days moving at the end of the day as well, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And then final question, where can we keep up to date with all of your adventures and journeys uh, in the future? Yeah. So I'm on um, Instagram is my main one, but I'm on Facebook and Twitter too, just at Fiona L Quinn. And then my website is just Fiona L Perfect. Brilliant. And we can follow along with the Catch to Ultra Marathon on, uh, on there as well. So recommend everyone go check it out. But Fiona, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. That was good. It was lovely to speak to you. Thank you. So that was Fiona Quinn. Like I say, I hope you enjoy the episode. I hope you enjoyed the interview at least half as much as I did would be fantastic. Really fantastic just hearing a bit more detail about the incredible achievements she's made and what's coming up next. Let me know what you think on btmtravelpod at gmail.com but also get in touch with me on social media and also follow us on social media as well. Join in there. I'm always posting updates for the podcast and putting uh, updates on these stories too. Hope you enjoyed it. Check us out on social media. Have a fantastic week and we will see you back with the normal scheduling with an episode on Friday, which is another banger. I know you're going to enjoy it. Thank you.